Code Fun Podcast Network. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash sustain. Welcome to Sustain. This is the podcast where we talk about sustaining ourselves. Yeah. Great food. Yeah. Mm. Sounds like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. It is. The jelly is maple. Oh, hey. Um, maple pumpkin. I just bought it at my local store, the bodega, which is closing today. So I went and spent $250 because I haven't done my groceries in a while. And I just needed to really like actually help out local businesses. Yeah. Actually, this is a good place to start. So we were going to make that as a joke, but I think we should start with that. This is Sustain. Yeah. And as you may have noticed, there's something going on in the world which is affecting everyone and really affecting the open source ecosystem, not just my local bodega. So local, I don't even think they call it a bodega here in Vermont. COVID-19 is just ripping through the open source ecosystem. We've seen a lot of effects with people. Obviously, it's also ripping through our healthcare systems and our populations and our countries and our borders. And that's awful. But you're all, oh, listeners, probably tired of hearing about that. And this podcast focuses on open source. It focuses on what that means, on what sustainability means, what happens with maintainers. And what we're interested in talking about here today is how is COVID affecting code? And this is actually a long conversation. So this episode should be moderately short, probably only around 30 minutes. But we're going to be bringing guests on in the future to talk about how to deal with COVID-19 in general and how to deal with working at home all of a sudden or having a lot of, you know, losing all your free time. So that's something which we're very interested in right now because it's a big issue. It's so big, I don't even know how to properly address it. It's just like, ah, COVID. So I'm going to start by asking Eric and Justin, our fellow panelists, to say hello. And how are you both doing? Relatively good. You know, I thought I'd be freaking out, but I just kind of been keeping myself occupied with sustain stuff like you have, Richard, with the new website and working groups and working with Justin Flowery. And yeah, I, I see momentum going. I mean, I rarely have my laptop open, you know, past six. I was just cranking last night on the sustain OSS stuff. And I guess I could see that as a silver lining because it's the motivation to do so. You are um, so lucky to not have your laptop open past six. <laughs> my laptop the past three weeks, the past month, I've been working 15, 16 hours a day. Well, I, Eric, who's also on the podcast, I work with him for those who don't know. And he recommended a book called... I don't, it doesn't have to be crazy at work. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I downloaded that on Audible and listened to it. And it kind of like changed my perception on how to work smart and not hard. So, yeah. I agree with that. My, I've also, I've read similar stuff before. I try to do meditation and self-care and expectation setting. 
my issue is that I don't have just one project right now. I have a lot of projects. So sustain takes a lot of time. And also since COVID-19 really started kicking off in the US, I've been involved with a project called FOSS Responders, which is free and open source software responders. We're trying to help out people whose livelihoods are being affected and whose conferences are being canceled. How do we allocate money to help contractors who booked a hotel room for a conference that got canceled and now can't get a refund or groups which get most of their money from a conference that they hold annually and now can't get a refund or meetups which had to close and now people don't know what to do or how to connect with each other. And so that's three separate things. You know, I have my normal job sustained and then false responders. And it's hard to fit all those into a normal working day, especially considering that I have to spend five to six hours of my day birding or else the demons come out and say, why aren't you at your hobby? It's very difficult. (laughs) So what can you give us an update on what false responders did this week? Yeah. So false responders, this is the first time we talked about it. And this podcast will probably go out first. It's a really interesting project. It's basically Dwayne from Indeed and Megan from Google. These are people who work at those places, not representing those companies. And I'm not authorized to speak for them. But other people as well, like Gunner from this podcast and Aspiration, all got together and figured out how can we, how can we help people who are going to be affected by this? And it's just sort of been like, okay, well, let's get a website up and get an open collective up. And every single door we're knocking at is just opening up immediately. You know, we have a free discourse set up this week. We have a website that I built in a couple of days and threw up from scratch. And now we have a designer coming on, Ariel. She's been working on awesome new logos. We don't have to use the sick emoji, which I don't like. So that happened this week with the designs finally sort of being finalized as far as the logo and... We have forms which are going in process right now for people to ask for money and to figure out how to get money to the right places. And we have processes going on there. Basically, we sort of switched from being uh, 20 people in the room. I can do that too. Okay, design working group, what's your update? (laughs) That's one of the biggest things we've moved to. We still haven't officially launched. I think we're waiting for a better logo and then we'll really start blasting on social media. But we've already raised over $1,500 from people who've just seen it and just wanted to give to help out, which is awesome. I actually was a little bit preemptive on that. I apologize for interrupting, but I was a little bit preemptive on announcing it. I I went through and for the listeners that don't know, I run CodeFund with Justin and CodeFund allows us to display ads, ethical non-tracking ads to developers all over the world. One of the benefits of having this network is that we can get messaging out to people very quickly. And we launched a FOSS responders campaign three days ago. It's already generated uh, 350,000 views. 700 people have clicked on it already. So I think that it is something people are very, very interested in. Yeah. So sorry about that. I didn't mean to like explode it before it came out. No, that's okay. We're all flying by the seat of our pants. I mean, I don't remember what yesterday like. Today it rained is one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite spy movies from 1976 with Robert Redford called Three Days of the Condor. And I felt like I've been living that this week and this month. Every day is like, oh man, this has been the longest year of my life and it started at 8 a.m. So pre-optimization is the root of all evil, says Donald Knuth. In this case, Eric, just blasting it is awesome. That's the root of all good. Do what you need to do. I'm happy to see that happen. And that's so cool. 700 page clicks is great. 350 
thousand page views. You said that's ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm happy with that. Good, good stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. I have a friend who has been a mentor to me for probably eight years, and he was the one that guided me through launching Code Fund way back in 2017, and has always been there. I used to meet up with him every Tuesday at Starbucks, kind of in between where he lives and I live. And we've done that every Tuesday morning for the last probably seven years. And then COVID-19 comes in and all of a sudden everything's thrown off. But so a little bit about him, he owns a business that does, that builds snorkel masks. And that it's, he's had everything manufactured out of China. And so his business is completely upside down right now. But what's interesting is that he's now working with the government to convert those existing masks over to ventilators. Yeah. That's so so cool. Yeah. So I just, and it got me thinking about open source and about developers and about us as people. Each one of us carries some sort of talent or I guess something that we can donate or allow use of within the community during this time. And I'm so amazed by people like my friend and and like a lot of these companies who are basically saying, hey, we're going to open this up to support people. That to me is what it's, it's what we should all aspire to. That's kind of why I wanted to do this Foss Responders ad campaign is because, you know, how many people do you know that have, that can, that can show a million ads per day to developers? And so that's one of those things where I was like, man, this is, this is where we need to give back. And have you guys seen that in other companies, especially around tech? I've seen the, the fallback ads and I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize we were doing that. Everyone's got a lot of going on in, in code fund. So it was just cool to see it like, wow, I'm, I was proud. I was like, yes, that's us. So it was, it was pretty cool. And to hear the stats is awesome. But I've definitely seen, seen I think we were asking, have you seen other companies converting like that? Correct. And definitely. A hundred percent. I can't think of a company that hasn't tried to pivot. You know, we've all gotten a couple of marketing emails that seem a bit off color at the moment. But most of the people I'm interfacing with in tech are like, we're working on this or we're working on this, which is amazing. Johns Hopkins has this really awesome open source graph up right now of what's happening with COVID. I know GitHub has done a lot of work to make sure that there's like a database. It's I think they're currently working on a database of all things. There's been help with COVID.com, which is an awesome resource where you can look for other places that need help. That was just thrown up really quickly. Zoom is offering, I think they're offering cheaper subscriptions to companies that work with COVID stuff. I asked for that a while ago and I still haven't heard back, but that's that's something that they're offering. I've had Discourse jump in and, and give us free tiers. GitHub has given us a free tier for FOSS responders. Google is really prioritizing things. I can't say much more about that, but they're trying very hard to make sure that things work. Even Instagram has, you know, this whole stay home thing. So tech is aware and it's trying to help, but it's really great to see every company that isn't folding because a lot of them are. Every large company that has a, a part that they think they can play to help the general good generally is. That doesn't include some of the, you know, the worst companies in the world, things like Big Pharma, like Gideon, right? They were going to have an issue with a patent for a coronavirus vaccine. They've recently rolled that back. I'm getting that from The Intercept. If that's not entirely right, please refer to theintercept.com for that. I am not an informed judge and I do not like to be sued, just stating. But there are companies that aren't doing as much as they can. 
But then there are companies that are. And I'm really proud of the community in general for the way it's coming together. Here's a good example of a company that's not doing well, which is in tech. O'Reilly recently laid off their entire event staff and probably is going to stop hosting OSCON in the future. And OSCON was a major part of this space for the past like 20 years. And Thank that's you. public knowledge. Yeah. That's, that's just out there. So I'm yeah. not trying to say O'Reilly's a bad company or anything, but they've laid off their event staff. And no, that's that, that, not good. That, yeah, that broke my heart. I mean, I was always yeah. an O'Reilly event fanboy. They threw the best events. And I'm not just saying that. Like, they, you, if you went to an O'Reilly event, you're like, okay, this is an O'Reilly event because everything was just like perfect. I used and, to work in Tim's office, like quite really? literally. When I was in San Francisco, I worked with Hip Camp, and our offices were in the O'Reilly offices. Nice, and you know, so like I, I, I know them in a way. He used to walk in, but I also kind of saw this coming. I mean, they shut down their online publication sales; you can only buy from third-party vendors for their books. So mm-hmm. they're sort of moving away from just the the way they've interfaced with tech before. But the events shutting down is just incredible. Now, I understand other people say, you know, Python Software Foundation, they've had to cancel PyCon. That makes mm-hmm. a ton of sense. They're a foundation that doesn't have a ton of resources. PyCon's one of their main income streams, as we know from having uh, the president on this podcast. He but yeah, that's just really sad that that happened and they're going to get through it. But it's not the same as, say, laying off your entire event staff and saying, okay, well, we canceled that event. So, yeah, I mean, I just thought that was like drastic, but maybe they had that plan for a while and there was just, like, I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah, it was just the timing. But yeah, I mean, for me, speaking at OzCon was like a dream of mine for probably like seven years or so. And I, I got, I'm so lucky that I got to check that off my list. I also have a Evernote with my like goals in life, you know, like my vision board. And I had to cross off a chair for OzCon. Like that was like one of my, Goals was I was going to be a chair on the OzCon uh, event, and it it sucked. You know, I was like, okay, I got to cross that off. I, I not even cross that off, just remove it because it's it's no longer feasible. So, yeah, that that hit me hard for sure. I mean, I was supposed to be in Scotland next month hiking on a the trail of Bonnie Prince Charlie's flight after Culloden. We have been training for this for six months, and that was canceled. So I totally feel you on the canceled plans. Of course, that trail will still be there. OzCon may not, so it's not quite the same. But are you saying that OzCon's like not one hundred percent going away? Because I, from what I read, every event is going away. Everyone is going away. We don't know what will happen in a year or two. We don't know if they're going to rehire people, right? Mm, I saw from what I read the the statement they put out. It was like we're closing this division, like done, done. But. All right. Maybe yep, someone listening to this can can correct us. So yeah, no, that that might very well be the case. That might be the case. I am not as well informed, but on the whole, things like switching snorkel master ventilators, Eric, that's an awesome example. I that love gave that. me chills. That is so cool. Like that type of innovation coming out of some. See, I've been trying to find silver linings during this whole like thing because it's just been such a nightmare for everyone, and. Yeah. This week, I've seen more awesome stories like what Eric shared, and it's I don't I'm not coming off. There's nothing coming to my head right now, but I just remember going like, "Oh, there's a silver lining. Oh, there's a silver lining." So it's really cool what humans can do when 
in desperate times of need. And I think that we're starting to see the fruits of all of those, you know, all the labor going on in the background. And I'm really excited to see what comes out of FOSS responders because I think a lot of seeds have been planted and not a lot of money has been raised yet, but I think that can change drastically. And then it's next, also not the only project. There's other projects. What are like tell me helpwithcovid.com. Helpwithcovid.com there's there's a, a label right there you can filter by projects that need help. Um, ah, with, can you say that again? Help, help with COVID.com. If you go there, there's a list of projects that need help, and some of those help is software. Also, go to Open Collective. Open Collective has a ton of collectives which are local or specific needed for COVID, and they're not taking any fees from those. They're returning all fees that Open Collective would normally take, which is fantastic. And Thank they're you, not Ida all like. Xavier. They're not all tech related, which is they're cool. not all tech related because Open Collective again started out to actually deal with cities and you know things in Europe with collectives getting money. It didn't start out as software; it was just a natural place for them to go. So that's super cool, and Open Collective is doing great work. For me, I want to I want to point out that the silver lining is for me. I've actually I'm more connected than I was a month ago. I've hit up so many friends asking how are you doing. And I have this little routine now where I have a window in my kitchen that looks out over, you know, trees and I have a green pen. And every time I connect with a friend who I want to connect with again in a couple of weeks, someone who means something to me, I write down their name on the window and the window is filling up with names. And so if I ever feel like I'm cabin fevered or lonely or not helpful or unloved, I just go and look out the window for a couple of minutes and it kind of comes back. And I think we'll be sharing more of that sort of open source level of tooling and how we can all work together as an ecosystem in further upcoming episodes. I did say this would be a short episode and I want to keep us to that. So that's kind of my sign off from here. Eric or Justin, do you have any closing remarks? So it's hard to see outside of the window when everything inside is dark, it feels. I've personally been struggling a lot. And I know that depression and anxiety is rampant within the developer ecosystem. It's been hard. It's been really, really hard. My heart goes out to all those people who are trying to keep their jobs. My heart goes out to those people who have jobs, but are now having to figure out a way to homeschool their kids and keep everybody healthy and happy and, and whatnot while they're doing their job. It is interesting. I look at my, I look at my kids. Uh, so I've got an 11-year-old son who has extreme OCD. I've got an 8-year-old daughter and a 3-year-old daughter. And the 3-year-old daughter has asthma. So, introduce, so we do live in fear a little bit. But it is interesting to look at all of this and think about it through their eyes. What are they experiencing? What are they taking from this? You know, obviously they look at their parents and they, they will resonate the emotions that the parents have, which is probably not the best in the Barry home. But this is one of those moments that in the next 40 years or 50 years or 80 years, my kids' grandchildren are going to go to school and have to do a book report on, on this exact event. And they're going to talk to my, my children and ask them what it was like. We're living in a time right now that's, that's equally heartbreaking and 
but also it's something that we can look and say, you know what, this is a global reset. We're hitting the reset button. And I think that when we reset, we're able to really determine what's important and what's not. And so I think for me, the silver lining on this is really knowing to me what's important. And advertising is not important to me. What's important to me is upstairs in my house right now. What's important to me is my friendship with you both. A lot of people are going to die. A lot of people are going to suffer. And it breaks my heart. (laughs) I I, I can't follow that. That was beautiful. And, you know, I'm not a parent. I can only imagine what it might be like. But, I mean, I guess all I can say is my heart goes out to everyone. And now I'm kind of teary-eyed and I'm never (laughs) teary-eyed. But in all seriousness, I... I think we're all going to get through this. I think it will make us stronger. I'm not just saying that. I mean, for those who lived through 9-11, like, you know, the first week or two was unbelievably scary because I was like, okay, where's the next attack going to come? But then you start seeing humans coming together and I starting to see that now. And Eric, you put it perfectly. It is the reset button. It is, things are going to be different after this. I, I'm just, all I got to say is it's just heartwarming to hear all this. And I'm really, really glad that we all did this podcast. This made me feel really good. Yeah. And thank you, Eric, for refocusing on what matters. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I didn't know about your children. That's really, really touching to hear. My sister is a chaplain in an ICU in Seattle. So things, things are tough. But we will get through this. Thank you, Justin. And I think my window in my kitchen looks out over the woods, but my window in my door, I have something else written there. Every time I leave my house, I read it. And it just says, be kind today. I think that's probably the main takeaways for me in the open source community right now is give everyone a bit of space, give everyone some slack because we're all trying really hard over here. So with that, I think we're going to close this episode. Thank you so much, Eric and Justin. And thank you, listeners. And if you have any questions, please get in touch. We're around. If you have anyone you think should be on the podcast who could really help or has helped you with open source and with sustainability and with dealing with the crisis, we would love to talk to them. I know this has been a special episode. We don't normally have episodes like this, but we're going to be probably having a few more just because this is an event which needs to be addressed. And it's the most important thing going on for all of us right now. So... Here, here. All right, everyone. Have a great week. Stay safe. Bye. Stay safe. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. With 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia, with enterprise-grade hardware, SG-compatible storage options, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a price that you don't. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash sustain.